I agree that, you know, use definitely the blue blocking screens that you can get, those functions. If you can wear blue blocking glasses, absolutely. But try not to use it to then increase your screen time. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> no. I put it all I can, I can use for another eight hours. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Shift to Shibra. I'm your host, Shibra Venetti, and I am the host of this series, and I am a adult sleep consultant, a child sleep consultant, a baby science program instructor, and an Akashic light healing practitioner. And on today's conversation, we are talking about the windows to the soul. And yes, I mean the eyes, your, your lovely eyes right there. And we are gonna be having a conversation with Ken Tong. And Ken is the president of the Singapore Optometric Association. And we're gonna be talking about some of the basic care and health tips for your eyes, because having excellent vision, healthy eyes, is quite crucial to obviously our well-being. I mean, for those, you know, when we have the gift of sight, it is so, so fundamentally important on how we operate in our life. And more often than not, especially with today, with COVID times, a lot of us are subjecting ourselves to a lot more screen time than we probably would have. We're subjecting our young children as well to a lot more screen time because of the situation that our schools have had to go online. They've had to go virtual. A lot of things have had to go virtual. So therefore, with our eyes historically being conditioned to seeing depth of, you know, far distances, seeing things outdoors, not really used to seeing screens. And now in a digital age where we're always facing the screen, we're always sort of looking at our phones and things are just getting nearer and nearer and nearer and brighter and brighter and brighter. Our eyes are paying a little bit of the price. So I really just wanted to talk to someone about eye health. And I'm so happy that we have Ken on today. Uh, so Ken is going to be telling us all about how to take care of your eyes, you know, how often should you be visiting the eye doctor and which eye doctor should you be seeing? Because I'm not sure if you know this, first of all, I'll, I'll hold my hand up that I never got glasses until very recently. And again, it was because my jobs previously leading me to have glasses was predominantly outdoor. I'd be seeing people's faces. I would rarely be using devices. And it was only until I had jobs in the corporate sector and the social sector that, which was computer-based, that I started having glasses, that I needed glasses. And so I didn't even know there was a difference between an optometrist, an ophthalmologist, and an optician. And I didn't really know that you could go to an optometrist to get your eyes checked for even certain conditions, eye health conditions. So I hope this conversation is really helpful for you to understand when you would go and see an optician, optometrist, or an ophthalmologist, and how an optometrist will actually be able to help you manage your eye health and eye care. And I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Please let us know in the show notes below. If you have any comments about today's episode, like it, share it, subscribe to our channel, share it with people that you think might benefit from this conversation. Please do write into us if you have any suggestions on future topics. And thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Ken. Thank you so much for coming on to Shift to Shibra and joining us on this podcast series. And I just wanted to maybe for our listeners and our viewers, maybe you can just elaborate a little bit about what is it that you do? What is an optometrist and how does that differ from an optician that most people 
might be thinking an optometrist is or an ophthalmologist, which is maybe an eye doctor doctor who's in a hospital. Could you just elaborate on the difference, please? Right. Thanks for asking that, Shubha. So, so as an optometrist, we are the primary eye care provider. So we really do primary care work. Like if you need to go to a GP for flu fever or stomach cramps and stuff like that, you go to see a, a GP, right? So as a primary eye care practitioner, we are the GP for your eyeball. So, you know, if you have a red eye, you come to an optometrist, he can probably tell you what your red eye is caused by. Is it an allergy? Is it dry eyes? Is it caused by a closed angle glaucoma? Is it caused by, you know, just, just normal conjunctivitis? Is it viral or bacterial? So we are equipped, we are trained to be able to diagnose some of these red eyes condition. Now, of course, speaking of diagnosis, a lot of times people don't know because we are the first line of defense. We, are the, we can triage conditions such as glaucoma, right? Mm. It's eye disease where your nerve is, is damaged. We can look at cataracts. We can look at retinal detachment. We can look at a diabetic retinopathy, macular degeneration. So all these are common eye disease that are great in Singaporean population, right? I think a lot of places, if you're not listening just from Singapore, the world is grain, right? We have an aging population that we are facing. So we are able to screen for these eye conditions. And, and optometrists are commonly known as eye doctors in US. You mentioned about eye doctors, mm. but we're not licensed and legislated to be, you know, in the education that we have. It's not like a seven years program that they have in the US. We have a three years diploma course, and then you can train and upgrade to a bachelor's degree, two years, you know. So usually we have about five years of training, but yeah, this is what we do. And of course, compared to an optician, we, we should primarily do glasses. We can prescribe glasses, of course, but contact lenses are also our specialty. Right, because is it right that prescription contact lenses are not... Are opticians licensed to give prescription contact lenses here in Singapore? They are not prescribed. They are not licensed. Mm. It's only an optometrist. So, Mm. and then of course, with all the screening and preventative stuff that we are doing, we, we then work with the doctors, with the medical doctors. Is it the ophthalmologists, or the eye surgeons, I would call them? Is it the GP that we have to work, you know, for the whole system? Or even the endocrinologists, because we can tell if you've got like diabetes and stuff, you know, just from looking from, just from doing an examination in an eye. Wow. Sort of things that, that an optometrist is able to help you with. Wow. Okay. So then in terms of like, where would the line be where you have to refer on to the ophthalmologist? Like where does your scope end and theirs starts? Right. So I really would divide it into three different categories. So I mentioned we are primary eye care. Mm. So that would mean that there's secondary eye care as well. So secondary eye care would really be very much diagnostic. You know, I have those diagnostic equipment, like we've got OCT, which is like an MRI machine to look at the different layers of the retina. Mm. So if there's any bleeding in the retina, if there's any swelling, fluid accumulation in the retina, we are able to see that. We have the visual field test. So some of these tests and equipments can only be found in the hospital. So to answer your question, then the only time we need to send out for, for treatment is really when we need tertiary care. Okay. So if we imagine the inverted permit where primary care is really for the mass, it's for the community. This is where we want to do the screening and do the annual eye exam that we want to look at. And then we can move on to secondary touch wood. You know, if there's anything we found that mm, we are suspicious of, and then we have to send you to secondary test. And if diagnostic is confirmed, and then we send you to tertiary, which is treatment really, you know, whether it's surgeon, laser that the doctors do, certain drugs that we can't prescribe right here in Singapore. This is really where the cutoff is, treatment. Mm, Okay. And in terms of like eye care, okay, just going to the basics, they can basically go to an optometrist, almost like a GP for their eyes, right? So if they're starting to have 
a dry eye tendency or they're starting to have obviously blurred vision is I think the first sign that most people are like oh maybe that's when I should be seeing someone but like are there any other things like red eyes, dry eyes, yellow eyes? I don't know. Is there any things that people should be watching out in terms of eye care? Like what is the good eye, essentially? Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great question. I can relate it to how we are working from home right now. There's a lot that usage on, on virtual meetings. We have Zoom, we have Google Meet, we have Teams. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody is so well-versed with all the virtual meeting platforms. So I think that the kind of meetings that we have and the change in the behavior, right, of what we are doing. Because, you know, meetings used to be, you know, moving from one room to the other. We are able to meet our colleague face-to-face, chat about it. You know, we have to walk around our office. But right now, the back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings are really very much on a laptop and computer. Mm. So to really answer you, right, I'm also seeing quite a fair bit of people who are having a lot of digital eye strain, you know, where there's actually a medical diagnosis right now that was probably coined like last year, I was reading an article. It's called trigeminal dysphoria. So trigeminal comes from a trigeminal nerve, which is part of the optic nerve. And when you overuse your eyes on the screen, you see our eyes are never made for the screens. Yes. Yes. Thank you. If you look at prehistoric times, 200,000 years ago, Humans, we are hunters-gatherers, and it was only recent decades of revolution, right? Digital revolution, industrialization, urbanization, digitalization, right? That we are facing the screens far more than ever. And the implication of that really, you know, we, with all that, there are potential eye health issues. And, and one of it is the trigeminal dysphoria, to put it more layman, is really just digital eye strain. The very fact that you look at the screen way too much and you know the screen time management the digital wellness are not there and and that's when you get all this fatigue Mm. tiredness headache bad sleep literally right this Mm. is what you do and and yeah the and and the blue light emission is really something that we have to tackle Mm. okay and so if we think back to basics then most people should be able right to to be able to see within closeness and also with to see far and when we're talking about far, like how far <laughs> is a good range of depth that they should be able kind of to be seeing? So, so we quantify it with, with six, six vision. Like, you know, every good human eyes should be able to see like six, six vision. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is how far that means you should be able to see something clearly six meters and beyond. Right. That's a real long way to describe it. But yeah, I think what we want to benchmark everybody to be is, is to have six six vision in both eyes and not just in one eye mm. and speaking of you know being able to see far and near i think if you are able to use your laptop and phone two hours you know straight off you know real focus on a report and not feeling tired or red or, or teary eyes after that two hours of focus and concentration you're probably fine but if it's 20 minutes or even just less than an hour and you find that, whoa, at the end of it, you'll be like, wow, my eyes are burning. Mm. It's that's probably when you have to go see an optometrist to get your eyes checked. Because I think the two hours is a good cutoff point to know whether you're able to sustain good vision. Because we have two eyes, we call it like binocular vision. Bi is two, mono is one. And your eyes need to work together. We call it eye teaming. The coordination of two eyes working together to look at something up close and to be able to sustain that with good muscles because it's not just about clarity, right? We need 
Two eyes to be working together, you need that for 3D, for depth perception, to be able to perceive that. And this is why we need to do a test just beyond prescription, right? We need to look at whether you've got lazy eyes, how your muscles are working, and even the eye health, right? looking at the different structure, your retina, your lens, so on and so forth. I mean, just talking about just on that then about the muscles around the eye like because obviously I deal with parents and parents with little children and I'm also a parent myself and stuff and are there things already from infancy that parents kind of should be doing to be developing those muscles to be like some of the tips maybe I think is the question really like what are the tips that parents should be doing for their children in terms of like their eye muscles their depth perception seeing i mean i would imagine 2020 vision was being able to see 20 meters and now we just reduce it to six because no one can see 20 meters anymore <laughs> no, it's, no really like a, it's a major it's a feet and a major kind of thing empirical versus metric okay so they call it 2020 vision because 20 feet is six meters ah 20 feet <laughs> ah che. okay okay <laughs> So six meters, six by six. In in Asia, in metric system, it's six by six. Exactly. In uh, yeah. the old system, it's 20 by 20. Okay, 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 okay. So six meters, everyone, you have to see. You should be able to see six meters without your glasses or without aid, essentially. Is that the idea? I, I mean, that would have no. been perfect, but then it's not that. That's the font size that is involved in it. So, yeah, yes. what, what it means that if, let's say, for example, just for learning. So if I say, hey, I've got 612 vision, Okay. And you've got six, six vision, six out of six, six out of 12. So you can see better than me. Why I say that is because for you, right, to be able to see this letter on the wall, you can stand at 12 meters to be able to see that. But I have to stand at six meters for me to be able to read that letter. Mm. So it's always relative to another person who's got this distance. So another example, if you are 660, which is, means you are probably quite bad. That means for you, if I've got 660 vision and you've got 66 vision, again, for you, you could stand at six meters away from the letter on the wall and you are able to read off the letter, but I have to stand at six meters. Mm. So who has got better eyes? You, because you can stay, you can stand 60 meters away and you are still able to read the, the letter on the wall, but I kind of like need to move really, really, really up close to the wall for me to be able to read it. So this is what 660, really means. Okay, okay. And so then in terms of just starting with good habits from young, in a way, what yeah. are some of the exercises that parents kind of should be sort of doing maybe with their kids to just help them from, from infancy going forward to toddlerhood, childhood, etc.? Break it down into three things. If there's something that I'd like to share, I'd like to break it down into three parts. Number one is to have right reading posture. There's something called like the elbow room. Yeah. So, you know, you put the hand on the chin and then where your elbow is, this is where you should be holding your article. Right? Oh, if okay. So that means that you can't lie down on your bed to use your phone. You can't go belly down to read because that would mean that the reading distance at which you're holding your article. Mm. So again, elbow room, yeah. yep, it's too close. So this is where, whether you're 1.9, whether you're 1.4, you know, whether you're a child. So the elbow rule applies. The second part is 20-20-20. That's my favorite formula. Every 20 minutes, look far away, 20 feet and beyond for 20 seconds. I think it's very easy to remember. So I'm really focusing on that micro break, right? And the 20 seconds will work wonders because, you know, when you're reading something up close again, your muscles are, are strained, they are contracted. They, they, are, they are used. So you want them to take more breaks, uh, especially for children. So a third one is really about light environment. 
So, you know, right now we, we can't move away from the electronics. This is something that is part of our life already. We need to embrace it. Mm. I think it's really about having the right amount of time set. 20 minutes at one spur is fine, but you know, not too much screen time. Let them spend more time outdoors. Yeah. Right. Keep myopia away, go outdoors and play. Right. So there are studies that have found that by going outdoors two hours daily, you'll be able to slow down or prevent the onset of myopia. Mm. So you want that? Another quick tip. I know I went beyond three. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so make sure that your children's eyes they are working well. Mm. You know what I mean by that is to look at their behavior. Mm. Right. When they talk to you, do they have both eyes looking at you? Do they have one eye moving away? You know, observe their eyes movement. When they watch their television, do they turn their head to a side? You know, do they do this? Do they start squinting? Do they start moving forward to look at something you possibly can? And a very quick test is to really just ask your boy or girl, come, come, take a look at something that you know that you can probably read quite okay. And then, you know, just cover one eye and, and the other. Of course, bring them to the optometry is the best method. But of course, if you want to do a quick test, you can ask them to look at like, a straight name, right? Or the MRT station or the, the meters on the road, you know, to ask them to just quickly look at it. And, and you'll be able to know, right, whether they've got one vision better than the other. And that's when you know that you must send them to an optometrist to, to get their eye exam done. Mm, okay. And that's, that's really great tips because I think we're just going straight into myopia now because myopia essentially is what you're very, very passionate about. It's something that you're really, really a big advocate for because Singapore is, as I think you've said, is the myopia capital, right? So can you just explain to our viewers first what is myopia for those who, you know, may have never heard this and also... How do you think the onset of myopia has kind of come about and what can we do to... Maybe I'll just split it up. Tell us what myopia is first <laughs> and then right. we'll go okay. into it. So, great. Myopia is short-sightedness. Mm. You know, a lot of people know it as a short-sightedness. It means that light is supposed to fall on a retina, which is the inner lining of the eye. But when it falls too short, you know, you can see things up close, but not when they are far away. Right. So I actually Googled what the word myopia really stands for. It's an ancient Greek word for close eyes. Myo means close, ops means eyes. Mm. So myopia means the art of closing eyes. Why? Because everything you can't see far, you yeah, squint. Yeah, squint, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see that? And, and that's how the word myopia came about. But I would like to really change the lens of what people think about what myopia is and have a new paradigm, you know, and a new perspective to that is that because myopia is a disease, mm. right? When I say it's a disease, it means there's a structural change. And why is a structural change? Your eyes become longer. Yeah, okay. When myopia, right? When you're short-sighted, imagine your eyes become longer. Mm. That's why you can recall your friend in school. You probably have some nerdy friend, geeky friend who's got like an 800, 1,000 you know, prescription kind of a person. It, they you may know, not people. actually be nerdy or geeky. It's just, it's just what they're born with, sadly. <laughs> it could be, but most of the time it's associated to reading yeah. mm -hmm. and near work and digital device, right? The very fact that they have a very thick lens, you know, means that their eyeballs become so long that they need these thick lenses to bend the light all the way to the back, right? right. And this is what, how, how our really, you know, illustrates how our eyes actually become longer. So with the longer eyes, the truth is the awareness, all right, of this elongation, I call it an excessive eye growth. Mm. 
is is very very little mm. because a lot of times people think that hey when you need glasses due to short sightedness just pick up a pair of glasses just wear it yeah and because it's corrective in nature mm. you know people don't think of the long term if and some of these studies are actually quite new as well right because now our conversation to our patients isn't just about vision correction but it's on myopia control it's about myopia management Mm. Right, because you know, if, if you allow this disease to progress, right, you know, if the elongation eyeball, the retina is going to go thinner, right, and you, it's going to lead to macular degeneration. It's going to lead to a retinal detachment. Mm. Imagine if I hold a piece of rubber here and I stretch it and yeah. I pull it, it's going to snap. The rubber is going to be thinner. The retina is going to be thinner as the eyeball becomes longer. So any prescription, any degree that is more than minus six hundred and above. The chances of you having cataracts, glaucoma, a retinal detachment, a macular degeneration—they just multiply, right? It's not just a percentage higher. Mm. So that is the kind of message that I really want people to know in terms of myopia. I mean, is myopia reversible? Sadly, it's not. Yeah. Because it's really like a growth of the eye. But if there's any change in the scripts that you have, like you know, if your power drops, it's probably due to. The muscles relaxing, and it comes with age. <laughs> so most of the time, you hear people like, "Hey, you know, when I reach forty, fifty years old, or if they have changed job to something that is really very much on their laptop or reading to something that is, you know, more relaxed, that the power can possibly drop. We call that pseudo myopia. Mm. So it's not really like they are the myopia is reversed, but it's like a drop in the prescription. Yeah, and that is probably because their muscles have gone. More relaxed, and the pseudo myopia just goes away. Right. Okay. So then, because obviously, if this is happening, I would imagine it, it's a generational thing. Like, is it possibly DNA related? That if you got, you know, parents that have myopia, then there's a higher chance that your child may have it as well because it is the eyeball basically changing, and so. Not to say that the child is, you know, genetically predisposed, but because they have a higher chance. Do parents have opportunity to sort of prevent, or not maybe prevent, but sort of lessen the effects? Hopefully, yes. So myopia is hereditary, right? Genetically, it can be passed on. Research shows that if one parent is myopic, there's three times a chance, and two, both parents myopic, six times a chance, right?、Mm. So even though the parents have done LASIK, but that doesn't move and change any DNA within. And and of course, I think it's also due to the environment. Right, you know, most of the time, like I said,、uh, myopia is is very much associated to near work. Yeah, it also means that yeah, that the parents are probably reading a great deal,、mm-hmm. and their family, their house is probably you know filled with books as well. And maybe the parents are also avid readers. So you know what I mean, right? You know,、mm-hmm. when, when the parents love to read, that it will influence the child in in one way or the other in terms of their behavior and habits. It still goes back to some of the tips that I shared earlier. Right? You know, bring them outdoors, even though yes, that's that. Covid situation and you know there's mosquitoes and stuff you know with dengue and all、yeah. we we still have to I call it just plan more family outdoor time、mm. you know go for that cycle you know take that walk around the park go for kite flying and with with of course being sun smart you know you still need to wear your cap your hats and sunglasses because you want to prevent you know cataracts and stuff so sun smart is the word and yeah I, and I think advocating family outdoor time. It will still be the best preventative method, you know. Twenty 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 elbow rule, not reading the dark. Have like polarizing light, you know, that gives them a really widespread, evenly distributed light source when they read. All these definitely will help to reduce or to 
prevent the myopia onset. Mm, and I think it's also important to really talk a little bit, if we can, about these blue light sisters, the situation, right? Because myopia is caused by short-sightedness, and I, I would imagine it's because of the birth of, you know, from the industrialization age and then going into the education, well, I call it the education age, where, you know, everyone was going into schools and then, you know, yeah. more people were, were subject to, you know, when kids start writing, we kind of write like this almost. Like, I remember very much like writing like this a lot. And as a teacher, you don't necessarily will kind of correct the child going, don't go so close to your, <laughs> to your paper. You just let the kid do it. But now that we kind of know, like, if they're constantly doing this, you're narrowing their perspective. And so you want to encourage that distance. The next level of our generation is really iPads and iPhones and screens and Zoom calls, even as for learning. And light from computers, if I remember correctly, it is drying of the eyes. So kids, if you'll notice, don't blink as much. And so their eyes are actually drying out because they're just constantly staring. And as a parent, I also do this where I have to like constantly remind my child, like blink, blink, <laughs> blink. Because she won't because even as adults we also have a tendency to maybe not blink our eyes as much and we are not realizing it and this whole phenomenon of blue blocking light has come around like blue blocking glasses and blue blocking screens and you know settings on our computer how blue blocking are they because i think it's just another personally i think it's okay as a gimmick maybe for adults you know to make sure that we are not so influenced by devices and tricking our circadian rhythms but for children, I don't necessarily agree with it because unless they have to definitely do online classes because we're in COVID and I understand that's just what they have to do, then fine. So that they, but is it really blue blocking these glasses? Do you, do you know? Do you have any research on that? I think to talk about blue light, we must understand what blue light is. Yes. Yeah, I don't claim to be a physicist. But blue light comes from everywhere. It comes from the sun. It comes from the screen. It comes from the fluorescent light that you have over your ceiling. And it's just everywhere, right? There are a lot of articles that talk about how blue light can cause damage to your eye. You know, it can cause burn on your retina. It can cause degeneration in your macula. So I don't quite agree with those because, you know, these blue light don't come in laser form, right? So, you know, what I'm trying to say is the blue light coming from the screen, they are pretty harmless, mm. okay. right? But if you talk about how the blue light is causing a lot of strain, causing fatigue and tiredness, I would say the answer is yes. So, you see, there's a very clear line drawn between damaging mm. and ruining your eye versus the fatigue and tiredness that one may feel. Mm. So, this, this is something that I want to really, really make myself really, very clear about what this blue light... So, your question was, you know, whether these blue light glasses, are they good? So my answer is always a yes, mm. right? Why? Because if you're talking about, you know, protecting yourselves from the UV, the ultraviolet light, if yes. you look at the electromagnetic spectrum, I'm not sure whether you remember them, but if you have the X-ray and gamma on a very high frequency levels, they are very dangerous waves. Mm. And if you look at UV, which is just out of the visible light spectrum, so that is not seen. That's why you don't see UV, UV, UV when you're outdoors. You can you can you can just feel the heat, but you can't see that ultraviolet, that purple light. You can't see it's out of the visible light spectrum. So blue light is found inside the visible light spectrum. And this is why we are able to see colors. This mm. is why we are able to perceive vision. 
And what blue light do when you turn on or when you turn on like the night shift function on your phone, the blue light filter on your Android system, and, and even putting on these blue light glasses, is to cut off that blue light. Yeah. You know, and that blue light, there's also, there are also different waves of blue light. Some are the harmful ones, which I said, you know, it's not like burning or damaging per se, but it's a fatigue and tired causing. Which just now you said a very big word, which is a certain rhythm, mm. the sleep cycle. So that part, I will leave it to you to educate us. But what I'm trying to tell you here is that, do we need to turn those on? My answer is an absolute yes, because you need to protect your eyes from this blue light emitting device. And we are spending a lot of time on the screen. And I think one quick message out there is to really two, if you don't mind. Mm. <laughs> one is to avoid unnecessary screen time. Yeah. Avoid unnecessary screen time because... You know, like I said, if you can quit social media, right? Because you don't need that social validation. You don't need that person to be liking your photo all the time and checking. You don't need that push notification, right? To say that, hey, you have 20 gold in your game app. You mm. know, hey, you have found fuel on your car racing game. You don't need that notification to be beeping you all day long to shift your attention to all these money-making apps that are there to really, you know, take your attention. Yeah. So then, yeah, yeah, I think managing and be exemplary at home, mm. you know, right now, because it's really tough, honestly, to be on Zoom, on meetings, day in, day out. And when your child comes back and you're still on your phone, probably working, probably on Facebook, we never know. And ask your boy, boy, can you stop using your phone? But they'll be like, mom, you, you are on your you're phone all the time. What are, you, <laughs> what are you talking about? So so that, that's where the second point really comes in. To yes. Provide unnecessary screen time and be exemplary. Mm. Be present when you're with your family, right? I'm not perfect while I can say that. I'm still work in progress. But every time you made a mistake, just take it as a data as to, hey, why did I give in to that temptation to, you know, Check thumb my scroll my Instagram or Facebook? Do I really need that? And I complain that I don't spend enough time with my kids. And I complain that I'm not spending quality time in present with my spouse. But, you know, so, so we have to be very reflective. But even if you feel at it, that's fine. Just keep working on it. Yeah. So being exemplary at home, avoid unnecessary screen time and to really quit social media. I saw a TED talk from Dr. Cal Newport, mm -hmm. right? the guy who wrote So Good They Can't Ignore You. He wrote Digital Minimalist. I'm a great fan of him. Yeah, so he talked about how you should quit social media. Mm. If you quit that, one quick step, if I can't, I hope I remember correctly. If you spend 20 minutes on a single app every day, I think about five years of your life is gone. Wow. But repeatedly, if you spend 20 minutes on your Facebook and all, all the way to you, you know, pass on, five years of your life is gone. I think that's a long time. It wasn't five or two, but you go and do that, man. I really did calculate that, oh, wow, really should just move away from these apps, right? And, I mean, and I think yeah, absolutely. I think I haven't seen it yet, but there's this really big, and this is not like a sell from Netflix. Netflix did not tell me to do this and say this, but there's a really interesting documentary, I think, or film on Netflix called The Social Dynamo, and it's talking about how your phone and these apps are basically created to hook you on them. Like they, I mean, think about it, right? Of course, the, if it's a business to them, so they have to work out a formula to keep you engaged, right? The more time that you are engaged, yeah. the more opportunity, not to brainwash you, but yes, kind of, to nicely brainwash you to purchase more things or something yeah. right so i agree that you know use definitely the blue blocking screens that you can get those functions if you can wear blue blocking glasses absolutely but try not to use it to then 
increase your screen time, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I put it. On, I can use for another eight hours yeah, or something. No, yeah. no, and that's what I really wanted to count in on is that absolutely like if your child needs to use Zoom because of school or because of currently COVID situations that everything is digitalized and we have to use the screen a lot more, and you have to get blue light glasses. Yes, absolutely, if it's going to help their sweet sleep quality, but try not to use it to then allow more screen time for that or like you know a beyond the necessary requirement and as ken was talking about you know things like the six six like seeing six meters in distance and doing every 20 minutes for 20 seconds looking at something within 20 feet of distance is going to be really helpful i wanted to also ask about supplements really quickly are there supplements as an optometrist do you guys talk about supplementation for good eye health yes we do it really depends on what kind of ailments you come in with there are some documents there are some evidence and journals that points towards say if you have dry eyes if you take omega-3 yeah you'll be great for your dry eyes because omega-3 are antioxidants and dry eye symptoms like what you mentioned when you focus you don't tend to blink that much and you get these dry eyes problems omega-3 is one supplement that i usually point towards too for my patients if you have got early stage of macular degeneration what we often prescribe is lutein mm. there is a formula it's called areds2 a-r-e-d-s number two right they have the right formula that is proven to be slowing down the early stage of macular degeneration so they have lutein in it they have some vitamins that have uh, have proven. When I say proven, means it's evidence-based, scientifically proven, statistically significant for us to be able to say that. Supplementation, yep. and of course, your, your beta-carotins and all, they definitely help with the vitamins that the retina needs. So, so there are still those usual suspects and or the usual supplementation that we will point towards mm. if you have certain form of ailments. Yeah, mm. so. As an optometrist, you would be the right person to probably go to and then find out more about which supplements are required if a person requires them. Right. I guess I know enough to know what works and what don't. So yeah, I think most of the optometrists would know some mm. that, that they can yeah. yeah. Okay. And then just to finally wrap up, because I think we've had such a great conversation so far, Ken, thank you so much for doing this. And I just wanted to really wrap up and just ask, like, what is your shift that you want to create with your work? I think it's really about letting people know that myopia is a disease which is preventable. Just want people to know that we have to look beyond just vision correction. We have to look at the management part, you know, how to not let your eyes grow. You need to have annual eye exam with mm. the optometrist. It's not as simple as just putting on a pair of glasses. It's not just that anymore. Yeah, so I hope people are inspired to take action. All the little tips and sharings that we have. And, and thank you for that, Shubra, for having me yeah. here today. It's going to be great. And thanks for doing this podcast. I think your work is remarkable i hope a lot of the things that we've been talking about has materialized so, mm. and i wish you luck in the wellness and sleep vertical the terrain and the subject matter that you have thank and you the best for your work as well yes thank you so much absolutely and i'm so grateful that you've been able to come on and share a lot about the eye health and how eyes work and the fact that yes everyone please go for your annual eye checkup it's like the dentist you must go at least once a year to an optometrist as you go to a dentist for your teeth okay everyone once a year okay do not delay do not wait especially now with covid and everyone looking at screens so often please go get your eyes checked all right protect those windows of the soul thank you so much again ken for coming on to the show thanks for having me thank yeah. you thank Pleasure. you